I'll write down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Hi, this is Dave Schrader from the Ghosts of Devil's Perch on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, welcome to episode 335 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Merry Christmas! Yes, it is Christmas Day and when this is being uh, listened to by most of you. So hopefully you've had a, a good, fulfilling day and you're just kicked back, relaxing, and uh, doing the tradition of listening to Christmas ghost stories. <laughs> it's a tradition we need to get back. Oh, true story. So obviously, first of all, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, as long as you're a member of our allied forces Thank all of you, men, women, and service animals, for everything you do. Merry Christmas, guys. We sure are thinking about you, and we love you all, and I hope you all can have a good Christmas as well. Thank you for taking care of us and watching our backs. We yes, appreciate I'm, you. I'm sure many of you will be out working. Yeah. God the hospitals bless you. still need people, Absolutely. and the ambulances still need people, and yep. the police still need to work. So God bless every one of you. You sound like... Uh, one and all. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this, something from a Christmas story? I mean, a, a Christmas carol? Yeah. Which is going to be perfect since it leads into what we're doing. Obviously, um, as we're talking about everybody having a great time on the holidays, it's not always a great time for everybody around the holidays. We talk to people um, several times a week that, you know, and, and look at posts that are in the group where people struggle this time of year. We just want everybody to know, you know, I, I, wrote, I read, where, read where somebody wrote that they were probably going to be alone this Christmas. And I wrote back to them that as long as you're a member of this group, you're never truly alone. That is true. And let me tell you something. When I got a divorce and it was my first Christmas without anybody. The Christmas, my kids were with their dad. And I know how that feels when you're alone. It was hard and I would have given anything to have this group back back in the day because man it's 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 hard to explain how you feel but it was really hard so but i did get through it and we just want you guys to know that we're here for you all and sometimes we might pester you to death just to you know say hey hey you know but you know it's all it's all um heartfelt and we're here for you guys no matter what the group is here for you guys no matter what so please don't ever think you're alone because you're not you can also call the crisis hotline at 988 and there will be somebody there for you you can also still text at 741-741 so you guys just take care of yourselves we love you all so so much and we're here for you 
Yeah, so this episode, Tracy, is going to be a little bit different just because of the fact that it's Christmas. We just want to do a bunch of uplifting stories. They're not all uplifting, but they all have something to do with Christmas. Okay. Uh, but I promise there's no brutal murders or anything like that. We're well, that's about. good. So, and we have a special treat. Tiffany Boots uh, actually sent us in a Christmas story. Aww. Uh, that was something she was reminded of that she remembers uh, this time of year, and she decided to share that. So we'll be able to listen to uh, Tiffany tell her story. All right. We love you, Tiffany. Thank you for doing that. So we mentioned a Christmas carol earlier, but did you know that Ebenezer Scrooge wasn't the very first fictional character to see ghosts around Christmas time. Hmm. Who was it? Well, I'm not gonna tell you. I'm oh, just gonna crap. say I don't know I don't have specific names, oh. I guess. <laughs> okay, sorry. But that but the tradition of holiday ghost stories goes much, much farther back. Oh, I'm sure. Perhaps farther than Christmas itself. What? When the nights kinda grow long and the years growing to a close, it's only natural that people kind of feel the instinct to get together, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of gather. Well, at the edge of the year, it also makes sense to think about people and places that are no longer with us. Of course. That's what we always do. Right. Thus, you get the Christmas time ghost story. Now, its origins actually have very little to do with the kind of commercial Christmas stuff that we're used to celebrating since the Victorian age. Uh, they're a little bit about darker and older and more fundamental things like winter and death and rebirth and uh, the connection between a teller and his or her audience. But they're packaged in cozy holiday containers, I guess you could say, boxes. Mm -hmm. But Christmas was actually uh, celebrated in Europe and U.S. as it originally connected to the pagan winter solstice celebration and the festivals known as Yule. So when you hear about the Yule Tide, that's actually that a from? pagan thing and not a Christmas thing. Oh, okay. A lot of the Christmas uh, traditions, such as the the Yule log, the Christmas tree, and all that, actually came from pagan holidays that had nothing to do with Christmas. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. I saw him do a Yule log on a holiday baking the other I'm day. Sure, you did. It was really cool. The darkest day of the year was seen by many as a time when the dead would have particularly good access to the living thus the veil being thinner. So that kind of transferred over with some other traditions that we now do on Christmas, and people in the Victorian days used to tell ghost stories. And, you know, this was particularly true during the days before TV. And like we were discussing before, Charles Dickens, when he wrote A Christmas Carol in 1863, this was during a time to where that was a regular thing. Mm -hmm. So to hear him talk about the ghost of Christmas present past and future Uh basically was something that a lot of people did and for most people that was christmas day was still a work day thus this ebenezer scrooge expecting you know Mm -hmm. crotchet to work and everything on christmas day so that was you know it wouldn't all that unusual back then i mean even walmart gets off christmas day later now yeah yeah they have been for a while but anyway go ahead but anyway the decline of the holiday came uh, and people kind of started missing out on the ghost story thing. They just mm-hmm. quit doing it. So, oh, they quit completely? Yeah, I mean, it's just something that, well, after the Victorian times, it's like they kind of just did away with it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with over in England, and I don't have, I didn't write this down, but it was something I saw. In England in the 1700s, 
there was a, a new ruler that, that took over as king. I think it was King Charles, but I don't swear me on it because, like I said, I didn't write it over. But he kind of banned Christmas for the most part. Oh, my god! So when that happened, people couldn't celebrate. Aww. And, you know, they did pick back up eventually once he was gone. Is that where Bah Humbug came from? Uh, I think that still came from Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but, true. <laughs> but, when, but after he was through with his reign, everything came back. Came back but, to normal. But the ghost stories really didn't come as far back as, like, some of the others. Oh, okay. Because, in fact, when Ebenezer Scrooge and stuff, when all that was down on the Christmas Carol, he was kind of bringing it back because that wasn't something that was done on the regular, even though I said it was a while ago. That was kind of his way of trying to bring it back. Uh-huh. But, anyways, that's my horrible history of... Mm. <laughs> I didn't do a very good job of telling the history because 99% of that was from memory. I didn't write most of that down. Oh, okay. But... Um, you did better than I would have done. Anyways... We're going to tell some ghost stories today. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. This first story I actually found online, and it's from uh, a Paulina T., okay? Mm-hmm. She said she was playing hide-and-seek with some other little kids. This was in her mom's village of Satua, Western Samoa. And she was pretty young back then. And she would always kind of follow her older cousin around. Well, it was the middle of the night, and most of the kids were used to hiding anywhere in the dark. And this time, they ended up in a church. Mm -hmm. Now, she wasn't used to any of this stuff because she was actually from Australia. She was just there visiting from the holidays. So this playing hide-and-seek in the dark in the middle of nowhere was all brand new to her. Yeah, I don't like that. Mm-mm. Well, since they were all hiding in the graveyard, no, they were able to find their way around by the light of the moon that was cast by the church. Oh, they hid in the shadows and they kind of waited for the boy who was quote unquote it. You know, he was yeah. looking for him. She said they could hear him coming, so they kind of kept quiet. I bet they were giggling. They probably were. <laughs> But they said the boy was pretty loud. So they were wondering, what was he making all this fuss about? So they went to go see, you know, what's the deal? He later told them that he had walked into the church because he thought his brother was hiding in there. He saw a boy standing right in front of the altar. He didn't know if it was his brother because the boy's back was turned. He ran up and he tapped this boy on the shoulder. And as soon as he did, the strange boy disappeared. Mm. And this little boy fainted. Oh, well, I probably would have fainted too. So upon finding the little boy fainted, they all run home and tell their parents what's going on. And they come back, I guess, with their parents and everything. And they find that the boy's brother had actually been home the whole time. Nuh-uh. Did he go there with him? Apparently not. He hadn't been to the church at all. Oh, my gosh. And what really scared them was the fact that the boy who fainted mm-hmm. had been ill since that night, and he still hadn't recovered. Whoever was in that church, they said, must have been pretty mad that he, those kids disturbed him. So he's still, like, he's sick? Mm-hmm. I don't know when this was written, but like I said... Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, at the time, she said that it was she was pretty young, and she's not pretty young now. So I mean, it had to at least be years. That is very weird. So I know that I know that wouldn't like 
a true Christmas story, but it did happen at Christmas time. That's why she was yeah, there to begin with. Yeah, yeah. What a story. Well, I would have been freaked out for sure. All right, so this next story actually took place at Christmas 2008. Now, <laughs> well, I'll just get into it. This story is from Scarlett, by the way. Okay. I, I don't know if she name. had a fever or not. Oh, well, you're a, silly. I like that name. It's, it's a so name pretty. you don't hear anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those names you used to hear a lot. Yeah. I think Scarlett probably took hits when the Scarlet Letter came out. I think once that book was written and it was, because you know, back in the day, if you were an adulteress, you had to wear a Scarlet A on your clothes. That's That was part of your punishment. If you got caught as, in a, as an adulteress, you had to wear oh, a, gosh. a Scarlet A. So you were like Laverne from Laverne and Shirley, but with a big A, and everybody knew that you were a, an adulteress. A hussy? Yes. Oh, my goodness. But when the book came out, The Scarlet Letter, that was all based on that, I think that shot a lot of people away from naming their well, daughter Charlotte. I thought Charlotte. it would be from The Scarlet Fever. People well, would be something from that. <laughs> all right. So anyway, so Scarlet said that she had an unusual visitor on Christmas Day 2008, and she's pretty sure that it wasn't Santa Claus passing by her house in Bloomington, Indiana. Why? He could be in there. Hopefully he's not an IU fan. Oh, I love Santa. The day started in typical fashion. They were opening up gifts around the Christmas tree. She said she served an early Christmas dinner to her family and her friends, and everybody was gone by 5 p.m. That's the perfect Christmas. Mm. Except for her sister and brother-in-law, who actually lived with her, so they had, you know, it would have been rude to just kick them out at 5 o'clock, too. (laughs) (laughs) They were asleep in the bedroom at the end of the hall, but their door was open. Well, Scarlett went... He must know I was going to mention a dog. <laughs> Scarlett went into the bedroom with her dog, Toby, and shut the door tight. Toby curled up at the foot of her bed to sleep like he always did. Now, it was really chilly, so she pulled the blankets and the comforter up over her head, and she curled up for a nap for about an hour. Scarlett was just dozing off when she heard the latch on the bedroom door open. She waited several seconds for her sister or brother-in-law to say whatever they'd obviously come in here to say to her, but there was no sound. Now, it's almost 7 o'clock, so the bedroom was pitch black. She'd left the lights on in the kitchen and the bathroom, and there was a lot of Christmas lights in the living room, so the hallway should have been pretty well lit, and she should have been able to see whoever was at the door just by lifting her head. So she pushed the blankets down, she lifted her head from the pillow, but just as she would have seen who was in the doorway, an extremely bright light hit her right in the face. She had to shield her eyes, and then she yelled, Turn out the blanking light. You're blinding me. She didn't say blanking, though. Mm-mm. She said the, the bad word. The light immediately disappeared, and she heard the bedroom door latch closed. Well, her bedside light is a touch light, so she tapped it and looked around the bedroom. There was no one there except for her and the dog, Toby. Well, Toby jumped off the bed and went to the door without showing any signs of alarm. At first, she wasn't frightened because Toby's a Dutch Shepherd and was trained to be an excellent watchdog. But since the dog was already up, she decided to go let him outside and see what either her sister or her her, uh, sister's husband had wanted. And she said when she went in the hallway, she could see both of them still in bed. She took Toby to the living room. She let him outside and there was nothing there either. Now, ordinarily, she's a little skittish, 
you know, and she's these little strange noises and stuff at light time uh, would, you know, kind of alarm her. And, and she didn't know why it alarmed her this time. But this situation just seemed a little eerie. And the light had made her skin crawl. Well, it's weird, though, that the dog didn't, like, bark or anything. Right. So let me add that um, the latch on her bedroom door is broken in a way that the inside door handle must be jiggled for the latch to pop out and engage anyway. Mm -hmm. So it makes it a very distinctive sound that she was used to hearing because it just doesn't latch. So the door swings open. She said she was absolutely positively, I'm sorry, absolutely positive (laughs) <laughs> that the door was latched closed when she went to bed, just as she's a certain that the door latched that she heard during the incident. So that's spooky in its own right. When you know that your latch makes that distinct sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like just one of these push button locks. Right. So when she left the bedroom, the door was latched closed again. She couldn't understand how her sister or brother-in-law could have come into her room and then returned to their own bed, crawled under the covers in the few seconds that it took to reach the hallway. But she figured it had to be one of, the, one of them, since Toby always barks and growls at everybody and everything, and he doesn't, you know, that he doesn't immediately recognize, so it would have had to have been one of them. So we're going to fast forward. When the brother-in-law got up to get to, ready for the work that night, she asked him if he'd want what he wanted earlier, and he basically said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, you know, when you came in there and you opened my door. And he looked puzzled and he said, I never got up and I certainly never opened your door. I slept soundly the the whole time I was in bed. That would be odd for your brother-in-law to just come in and open the door. Oh, of course it would. She's like, okay. So she asked her sister, did you want something earlier this evening when you opened the door? And her sister also looked kind of puzzled and said, "Um, I dozed off, but... I never got out of bed, and I never saw anything or heard anything in the hallway. And like I said, she leaves her door bedroom door open at all times, so she faces the hallway so she can see anybody coming through mm-hmm. the house. So who was the special Christmas visitor? Well, more importantly, how did they get in and out so quickly? Now, like most people, the thoughts of loved ones are always close at hand during the holiday season, and... When Scarlett first went to lie down and was thinking about how happy she was that her small family had enjoyed a a pleasant Christmas, but it had been much better if her brother and her mother had still been alive to share it with them. Now, she would like to think that it was her brother's spirit stopping by to say Merry Christmas. She said she still thinks of him all the time. She hasn't been able to debunk the strange event or have any kind of rational explanation. She says she's actually half afraid that her heart stopped during her sleep and that night maybe she saw the bright light that people <laughs> report yeah. in near-death experiences. But she said, uh, just leave it to her to see the stairway to heaven and ruin any chance of eternal paradise by saying, the turn out that effing light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be saying that on Christmas for sure. But she said she's made a mental note that she will probably never see a bright light to clean and, and to just clean up her language just in case. <laughs> but, That's very weird. And she hasn't seen anything since. No. Wow. Man, that could have been such a sweet moment. But again, why would a ghost need to lift the latch to open the door? Why can't he just walk through the door? Hmm. That's so a the, good question. Those are just questions that I have about stuff like mm-hmm. that. 
Are you ready for another one? Sure. It was 1995 or, or 96. Oh, this is by V Page. Sorry. V Page? Yeah, V, period. Okay. She didn't want to give her full name, I guess. Or he. Anyways. It was Christmas time, 1995 or 96, and she was at her aunt's house on a reservation in North Dakota. Now, some of the family was in the living room watching TV, and uh, the kids were all playing in the rooms where they were sleeping, and her uncle... And her aunt were kind of sitting at a table doing a jigsaw puzzle together. Well, that's fine. V's cousin, who worked at a casino, was due home around midnight or 1 a.m. Now, that night, as she pulled up and was walking toward the house, she looked at the window and she saw V sitting at the table. Her uncle was sitting across from her. Well, she also saw someone standing to the left of V and someone standing in the corner. Now, she continued to go ahead and walk to the house, thinking nothing of it. When she got inside, she said that her hellos, of course, but put her stuff away, and she came to sit at them with the table. As she's sitting there talking, she looked at V and, and asked, who was standing next to you a few minutes ago, and who was that in the corner? Well, V told her she had no idea what she was talking about because nobody else was there. And she was like, yeah, there was someone standing next to you. I looked, it looked like your mom and she was playing with your hair. And V said that, you know, she had long hair, which her mother used to play with all the time. She said this person was running her hand over V's hair as her mother did as a child. Oh, that's so nice. It kind of freaked V out a little bit. And she said she was probably only about 12 or 13 at the time. Her cousin swears up and down that someone was standing over her, rubbing her head and watching as she put the puzzle together with her aunt and uncle. And that there was another person standing behind that person. She said that they all got around to thinking that the second person was probably her mom, who had passed away on her birthday a week before Christmas back in 1992. So they think that it was her mom and her grandmother, basically. Aww. What a nice thing. I wish that happened to me. She said in her family, they consider their aunts and uncles to be just like their moms and dads. And after thinking that that might have been her, it didn't really scare her as much. And around Christmas, something strange almost always happens. And they just figure it's just her mom visiting them. Very cool. She's lucky. I think so. Heck this, yeah. Here's a quick one. This is from Cat. Uh, this happened near Seattle, Washington on Christmas Eve, 1957 or 1958. Cat's mom was in the kitchen window when she yelled for her sister and her, and they were around five and seven at the time. She wanted them to come look. And there was Santa and an elf carrying a big brown bag. They were walking down the middle of the street. Well, her dad went running out the door to see if Santa would come over and say Merry Christmas to the, to the kids. She thought mm -hmm. that would be cool. But she said, he said that Santa and the elf and the big brown bag had completely vanished. <gasps> oh. Lucky? So I wonder who that was or how I they got about that. Was Santa. It sounded like he got out there pretty quick. Oh. Man, how cool would that have been? Oh. No, what did you do like that for? I don't know. They could could have been, they could have been killers or something. No way. That's all I'm saying. You don't never know. All right, here's one. 
Let's see who sent this. This is from Misty G. Misty said that when she was nine years old, she couldn't get to sleep on Christmas Eve because she was so excited about all the presents. And she was always wondering if her parents had anything to do with the gifts that she received from Santa the year before. Well, they lived in Texas back then. And that night it was really hot because the heater was on. She got thirsty. She got out of bed and she cracked open the door to make sure that there was no one out in the living room. She wanted to make sure she could get something to drink without being seen. Also, so she could spy. Mm-hmm. When she opened the door, she saw someone bent over. And then he stood up. It wasn't Santa Claus. Wouldn't dress in red and white giddy-up. Strangely, she could see the Christmas lights from the tree shining through him. He was taking the stockings down off the mantle and placing them on the coffee table. When he started to turn around and put the next stocking on the table, she closed the door and she jumped into bed. The next morning, she woke up and told her sister what she had seen. She told her where where he had put the stockings, and when they went into the living room to check it out, the stockings were exactly where she said they had put them. They both turned, and they looked at each other and froze for a minute, and from then on, she told everybody that she believed in Santa. Yes. Yay. I would just think that maybe there was just some kind of a glare and she was seeing the lights around him and thought it was Why coming through. Why would she just stop debunking <laughs> and let it go? <laughs> Dang it. It's Santa. Get over it. All right. We got one more story. Brother. Don't be mean. We got one more story. But first, a quick word from our sponsor <laughs> and then Tiffany. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see. Who gave us this story? Carrie K. And Carrie spelt with a K. Very cool. Oh, nice. It's the first time I've seen Carrie spelt with a K. It was Christmas Eve, 1961. Carrie and, and her family were in Boardman, Ohio. Her bedroom was at the end of the house. She'd already gone to sleep. She didn't know what time it was, but she did know that it was very late. She then suddenly woke up. She was staring at the bedroom door, which was catty-corner from the bed. As the door slowly opened, she pretended to close her eyes because she didn't want her mother and father to catch her up in the middle of the night. There was a nightlight in the hallway, one behind the dresser in her room, so there was some kind of light. She was totally astonished, however, by who it was that opened the bedroom door. She found herself looking at a man dressed in a red suit. He had white trim around the waist, like fur, and a long white beard, and was wearing a Santa hat. He had red pants and black boots. She said if she closed her eyes, she could still see Santa standing at the door, and it made such an impression on her. He stood there, and he looked at her for a few seconds, then he closed the door. She pulled the blankets up over her head. She was so scared. Finally, she looked out, but there was nobody there. The next day, she asked her mother if she or her father had been out of bed the previous night. What are you telling yourself? (laughs) Her mother said no, and in fact, that uh, her sister was only four months old, and the mother had told her that she slept through the night for the first time since her little sister had been born. Now, neither of her parents had gotten up. Both of them were tired, and they had both slept. So she doesn't know who or what looked at her bedroom that night. When she told her mother that she had seen Santa, 
She got really mad at her and told her that she had not. But she knew what she saw, and it was Santa Claus. She said she swears on that story that it did happen, and she knows she wasn't dreaming. Aww. She was dreaming. Oh. Well, you know there can't, that, that wasn't a real Santa Claus opening her door. How do you know? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I do. Well, uh, my glass is half full, Biatch. Your glass is probably half full of liquor then. Ah. Oh. You probably drank the other half, which is why you're thinking like that. Never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and do um, let's do our brief announcements, and we'll end on Tiffany's story because it's a really good story. Okay. I'm surprised she got through it without crying. Oh, I love my girl. All right. So all of our shows are set up. I'm not going to dwell on them. Hillbillyhorrorstories.com. But the show in Post Town with Cryptos of the Corn, April 22nd, that's the newest one set up. And then the one at the jail, at the Boone County Jail Distillery, that one is going to be off the chain as well. Okay. Can't wait for that one. Me neither. And that's going to have our boys from Indianapolis in it. Okay. That one's in May. That's going to have... Uh, what well, the man. hell, Ninja? Well, he is like snoring like I'm crazy. I'm telling you. But that one's going to have um, uh, the tragedy of cinema and middle-aged and creeped out inside a haunted jail in small town Indiana. Yes. It don't get any better than that. Yeah, that's great. We're excited about that. Yeah. We're excited about and them all, And actually. I'm still working on New Orleans. <laughs> but I did have somebody reach out that actually used to live in New Orleans forever. I don't know why I didn't think about her. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Fisher. Oh, okay. She used to she used to live and work in New Orleans, and now she's like 50 minutes away still. Mm-hmm. So she's still got some connections. She's going to try to help us out after well, all Well, wonderful. So, all right, what do you got going on over there? All right, for our iTunes, we have Mojo Lobster, Jason B., and Brett from Evil Never Dies Podcast. Thank you guys so, so much for your nice comments. It means the world to us. We appreciate it. And our Patreon this week is Lauren Petrakis. Petrakis. What did you say it was? I think it's Petrakis. Oh, I'm sorry, Lauren. I knew I was going to mess it up. Beautiful. Sorry about that. But thank you so much, doll. We appreciate your support. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Ain't there some like figgy pudding stuff or something? There is. I'm about to go eat me some figgy pudding. I bet you ain't. I bet I ain't got no figgy nothing in this house. (laughs) (laughs) I want that cost figgy cents. We love you guys so much. We're getting ready to listen to Tiffany, but we just wanted to say thank you guys for all you've done for us all year long, and I hope you all have the best blessed Christmas ever. Hello, Pollies. Hello, Hillbillies. Thank you so much for having me back. My name is Tiffany, and I've been on a few times telling different stories, but I don't think I've actually told this one. I heard about the episode, so I wanted to... Share it in hopes that it will, you know, bring a little bit of lightness to somebody <laughs> out there. I know it's really, really rough right now for a lot of people. This story, it always makes me smile when I think of it. It's a very, very good story. If you can humor me one moment, I will go back a little bit and kind of lead up to what happened. Back in 2011, my closest aunt, she was only a couple years older than my mother, she 
found out she was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian and uterine cancer. Immediately, treatments started that led into the next year. Around March, they tested her, and she was completely clean. Everything was gone. The surgeries worked, the radiation, the chemo, everything worked. They told her to come back in a few months, and in May, when she went back for her scans, it was all through her body again. Unfortunately, this time it was much more aggressive. They had to do a very specific type of treatment for her. To make a long story short, unfortunately, we ended up losing her in October. I believe it was the 2nd, October 2nd in 2012. And that was a really, really rough month because I think within a day or two, I found out that a long-time childhood friend had taken his own life. And not only were some of the people that I know and myself dealing with the grief of my aunt, obviously, but this particular friend's passing was really, really rough. Anyway, so (laughs) I apologize. One of the things that my aunt would always tell us, especially when she was getting bad again, was that she had to make it until Christmas. She loved Christmas every year. She was all about her grandkids. She just hadn't, her son, my cousin, was due to have a new little boy pretty quick. I think it was in November, but she wanted to be there for all the grandkids. Unfortunately, life didn't work that way. So skip ahead. You know, we in my family, um, Christmas morning comes around My son is a lot younger. He was all excited. He used to just absolutely adore Christmas. So he's up and my mom and I are in the room with him and he's opening his gifts. And then we had our three dogs. We had Daisy, Iris, and Ripley. For the most part, the dogs stayed away because they didn't like the sound, but they slowly gradually came in and they were kind of watching. They decided that they wanted to be a part of everything. Well, we were sitting there and... It was so strange. All three at one time, it was almost like simultaneously, all three dogs stopped what they were doing, which they were just kind of chilling, but they stopped and they looked up into the one particular corner. At that point, it was the right-hand corner of the room that we were in, and they were just staring. And so I kind of nudged my mom and like, look what, look at the dogs, look what they're doing. You couldn't break their contact. Like, they were specifically staring and focused on this. I waved my hand in front of their faces. Their tails were wagging. I mean, they were, like, just being happy dogs, but there was nothing there. It took a minute for me to figure it out. (laughs) We kind of came to the conclusion that my aunt had held her word, and she had found a way to come and check in on everybody that morning like she wanted to. She, I don't even know really how to explain it. It was, it's more like a feeling that you got, but there's no explanation for what happened with our dogs. It lasted probably about three minutes, which in the moment it seemed a lot longer, but this was not something that these animals did. They didn't do this out of nowhere. They, I mean, they didn't do this just randomly. Like, There was obviously something there as soon as who, what we believe was my aunt left, they went back to normal. They just kind of got up and did their things and went about their business and 
so did we that morning, but it was great because we had that little bit of something to kind of hold on to and it made us appreciate it. It made us think of her. It's just a nice little memory, nice little feeling too, after a horrible, horrible situation in a very unfair spot in our lives. (laughs) I apologize. It was so short and I apologize. It was so gloomy, but I did want to share that and that little situation right there just kind of gives me hope that, or not hope, but it just kind of gives me the, the, I don't know, the sense that she, even though she isn't here, you know, the confirmation, <laughs> it gives me the confirmation that, you know, she is still here. She is watching over us and she can come back whenever she wants to. So she's more than welcome to. <laughs> I hope she finds her way over here to visit me. Thank you so much again for letting me tell my story. Have a very, very happy holiday season. Bless every single one of you. Bye. With traditional possum stew. We're having a redneck Christmas. Pork salad and rabbit too. Yum, yum. Got the Paul new chow red man. All brand new spit cook. And I got my wife a new set of retreads for my pickup truck. Ain't he the sweetest guy? Whoa, we ain't never seen that. Cause a little stuff falls through the toe. We're having a redneck Christmas with homemade moonshine eggnog. I took a little swig, thought it needed more kick, throwed in a little toe.